Welcome back, friends. I'm Cherise Sims, and this is Parenting for the Culture on Black Love Podcasting Network. Uh, Happy to be here again today. Today, I have to start by taking off my educator parent coach hat, and I'm just going to be Cherise right now because it has been a day, and I know y'all know what those days are like. There are times where we learn and go to school to plan, and everybody tells us the importance of routines and scheduling and planning, and then life happens, and all of those plans just go out the window completely. So that is my day today, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my day, and then I'm going to switch hats, and I'm going to put on my educator hat, parent coach hat, and I'm going to tell you what I am learning from today, what I am doing about today, and what is helping me through days like this. And hopefully when you have a day like this, because it will come, let's all be honest, it's life Stuff happens, poop hits the fan when we don't expect it. Sometimes we can plan for it, sometimes we can't plan for it, but there are things that can help. So hopefully this will help someone out there. So I don't know if I shared with you guys already, but my father-in-law suffered from a stroke back in December. This was during the pandemic. He was a healthy guy, a contractor, had a business, had a bunch of employees, suffered a stroke, and it you know, turned the whole family upside down, obviously for many different reasons. Emotionally, it was very hard. Financially, it's been hard. There have been issues with insurance, which welcome to America. Our healthcare system needs a little bit of support. Am I right or am I right? (laughs) And so he has been in and out of the hospital battling the different issues with his stroke, but he is finally home, praise God. And he is for the most part happy to be home. It really amazes me how Uh, He's in his 60s, but because of the stroke, he is developmentally kind of the same as a two-year-old, but his personality is still totally there. So sometimes it's very funny to have a three-year-old who refuses to get out the car when you get home, and now we have a 67-year-old who refuses to get out of the car when we get home. (laughs) And both of them want a burger, and both of them don't want to get out the car because they want you to turn the car around and go get something else. So that is kind of our life right now. My husband is one of my father-in-law's primary caretakers, which means that during the hours that my husband is at work, we are hiring a caretaker. The hours that my husband is off of work, he goes to my in-law's house and he is either staying there until late at night when his brother, who tag teams the caretaking, comes in and stays overnight, or my husband is staying there overnight. So today, uh, the caretaker called out sick. Something happened. I don't know. The caretaker actually called out a couple of days in a row, and today she was just no-show. So that obviously threw a monkey wrench in our schedule. My husband had to take off work and go down to stay at his parents' house and work from his parents' house. Now throw six children into the mix. Usually, you know, I, I can't even say usually. There has been no usually. There has been no normalcy to this situation. Everybody's just trying to wrap their heads around trying to figure out a schedule that works for everyone. And it is very difficult. But for my husband, you know, he still wants to have, obviously wants to have a relationship with his children, wants to be able to see them daily. So there's a lot of maneuvering to try to figure out how do we get the kids to dance class on Tuesdays and Thursdays? And how do we get them down to Long Beach to spend time with their papa on Wednesdays? And how do we all still have family dinner together on Fridays? And how do we still get them to bed on time so that they're not grumpy the next day? And one thing that I have seen, which is something that I talk about with parents a lot, is there are behavioral challenges when things happen in family dynamics, when there are shifts. 
Sometimes it's a divorce. Sometimes it's a new baby. Sometimes someone gets sick and it stirs up your regular routine, your regular schedule in the day. And these things can impact the child's behavior. It can impact sibling dynamics. And they can feel their own stress about the situation and they can feel the stresses of their parents, right? And usually if they're feeling the stress of their parents, they're feeling a stress that they don't understand because they're just kind of watching their parents go through these things and they know that their parents are stressed or worried. And so they kind of take on that energy, but they don't necessarily have the same amount of information or understanding that the parent has. So they're dealing with it in a totally different realm. And we usually see it in how they sleep. Uh, how they eat. Sometimes you'll see that they're craving more sugar, that they're craving more time on the TV. They're trying to do these things that their body is telling them relieves stress. Sometimes that's throwing a tantrum. Sometimes it's saying, you know, I want a puppy all of a sudden out the blue. We, We found a stray dog on the street the other day and my daughter was very adamant about bringing this puppy home. And I was like, babe, we are not set up for a dog. She was legit mad at me for the rest of the day because I would not bring this dog home. (laughs) But I know that part of it is just her searching to meet her need for comfort and for control over something. So back to today, I'm here recording this podcast. Usually it would be that my husband is with the children at our house so that they can do their regular routine, get ready for bed, have dinner together as a family at the table, all of that. And I'm able to come home after I finish recording and do the nighttime routine with them. However, today, since the caretaker didn't come, he had to go to Long Beach. So he wanted the children to come to Long Beach. And it was a huge hassle of trying to figure out how are we going to get the kids there in time? How am I going to get back in time to record? How am I going to pick them up in time? How are you going to get them home in time? How are they going to have bath, dinner, all of those things, right? And as you can imagine, this does definitely put stress on a marriage because there are things that both individuals want And sometimes when you're in the moment of emotions and stresses, it's hard to see the other person's perspective. It's very easy to get in your perspective and say, well, these are my needs. This is what I see. This is what I'm experiencing. And the other person is doing the same thing. This is my needs. This is what I'm experiencing. And at one point, my husband said to me, because I was kind of pushing to have my children stay here, I said, I found a babysitter. She can stay with them. It'll be fine. He said, why are you doing this? This is so unfair as if I was doing something to him. And so I responded and said, this is unfair for everybody. (laughs) It is unfair for me. It's unfair for our children. It's unfair for you. It's unfair for your pop. It's unfair for your mom. It's unfair for the babysitters that we have to call last minute who have their own children. You know, it's just one of those life's situations that really suck. And it's really unfair for all parties involved. But it can be very hard to recognize what the experience is for all parties involved because the experience is already so big just for you alone. So fast forward, we ended up having the babysitter take the children to my in-law's house so that he could spend time with the children. And the children were all, all six of them were mad. All six of them are like, I don't want to go to grandma and grandpa's house. Why do we have to go to grandma and grandpa's house? I want to stay home. I want to do this. I want to see my friend. So, of course, that makes my husband feel bad, too, because here he is trying to, you know, juggle all the different balls. He's got to 
work in a new space now. He still wants to be a father and see his children. He wants to be a good son and take care of his father. He wants to be a good husband and take care of me. And so he's dealing and managing with all these stresses. And then he has all these children that he desperately wants to see saying, I don't want to see you. And I think that sucks. And it's, you know, heartbreaking, really. And as a parent, that can be one of those situations where you just are already in a bad situation. And now you feel worse because the people you love seem like they don't want to be around you. So switching hats for a second, I want to share my insight on my children's response from the perspective of a child educator or a parent coach. Sometimes when our children are in these situations and we hear them saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. A lot of times for children, it's not so much that they don't want to. And we get stuck in these places because we go into this logic and this thinking of, but just two days ago, you asked me if you could come to grandma's house with me. So how come you don't want to go today? And of course, our children have a response. Well, it's boring at grandma's house. I don't have any of my stuff there. I don't have anything to do there. I can only watch TV here. Yet we go back to, well, two days ago, you wanted to be here and you wanted to do nothing and you wanted to just watch TV. And you said that this is the place where you get to watch more TV. So you like it here. And actually, you were just begging to sleep over. All of these things are true, right? It's true that grandma's house is is a fun place to be where you get to watch more TV than at home. And it's also true that grandma's house doesn't have my things and doesn't have my toys. Both of these things are true. And so for children, they will search for reason and logic, just like we will search for reason and logic. And we find ourselves in a battle with our children, trying to argue, trying to reason and logic and leaving out addressing the need. So one thing that happens with children is as they grow up and as they get older, their need for autonomy, their need for independence, their need for control grows. And as parents, it's very hard for us to relinquish control and give them that independence, especially because we were definitely raised with this, I'm the parent, you do as I say, and don't ask questions. And you're a child, so what are you supposed to be in control of? And we have this idea of if we start giving our children control, that we are losing control. But there are ways that we can give our children control, and we can still have our own level of control And we can nurture their need for autonomy and independence and control and teach them how to gain these tools, gain the skill of having control over something, of having independence with something, of having autonomy over something. And we can build these skills in them and teach them these things without it having to be us losing something in the process. So for our children, the whole, I don't want to go to grandma's house, I don't want to go to grandpa's house. For me personally, I don't see it as they don't want to go. What I think is happening is that they have now lost a sense of control. They thought that they were going to be in their house, that they were going to be in their space. They had mapped out for themselves what they were going to do tonight. I want to bake cookies tonight, and I was going to watch a movie with my sisters, and I was really looking forward to playing this game outside in our backyard. And so they had mapped out their own little schedule and their own little things that they were going to do. They were going to get on their phone and play Roblox with their friends and check in. And now they had this monkey wrench thrown in where they don't have any control over their situation. Now you can't bake, you can't watch the movie, you can't play in the backyard because you guys all have to up and go to grandma's house. And nobody asked you if that's what you wanted to do. We're telling you that's what has to happen. 
Unfortunately in life, that is fact. Sometimes there are things where it just is a matter of this is what's happening right now. This is what's best and we got to do it. But for children, that can be very hard. They're already in a world where most of their world and most of their day is controlled by others. They're told what time they have to wake up. Sometimes, depending on where they go to school and if they wear uniforms, they're told how they have to dress. Sometimes, depending on the school, it's even down to the options of how you can wear your hair or how high your socks can be. You know, a lot of private schools, Catholic schools have very strict rules on their style of what they can wear to school and how they have to wear their uniforms. They're told what they can eat. Here's your lunch. Here's what you're having today. In class, you're told when you can speak, when you can use the bathroom, when you can play with your friends. Children have, and when I say children, I mean, you know, from zero to 18 years old, really, when they're in the school system and they're in grade school, they have very little control over their days. Most of their days are mapped out for them by other people, and they are just told where to go, when to be there, how to do it, how long to do it, and they're given very little free time. So when a monkey wrench is thrown into the little time that they feel like they have control over, and all of a sudden they found out that, hey, that window of time that you got to control, it's gone now. Someone else has is, is dictating and controlling that as well. Someone else is telling you how and when that's going to go. And, and they're telling you you have to like it. <laughs> so when children now respond with, I don't want to go, I don't want to do that, it's not a matter of I don't like it there. And it's not a matter of I don't want to be there. What they're saying is I don't want to not have control over this as well. So we find this battle with children of them trying to regain control. And sometimes the only thing that they can control is, you know, whether or not they get to express that they like it or not. And this is where emotional regulation, emotional intelligence comes into play. Because as adults, we often hear that sometimes the only thing you can control is your emotions. The only thing you can control at the end of the day, you can't control how someone receives you you can only control how you respond to a situation, you know, things like that. But we have not yet taught children what their options are in responding to a situation. So our children will just sit here and they'll battle us and they'll fight. And it's their fight for control, independence, autonomy. So in these situations, there are ways that we can begin to give them a little bit of control. The hard part might be you have to go to grandma's house. That's what it is. The control might be when you get there, what would you like to eat for dinner? You can plan dinner when we're there. We can order dinner. You can pick your favorite dinner. Or when we get there, what would you like to watch on TV? So sometimes when we take from children, we've got to also kind of give to them to get that cooperation from them and to give them that sense so that they can meet their need for whatever need they're trying to meet. So one thing that I did for today was I recognized that Not only did my children have a need for control over the situation, but I also heard them saying, there's nothing for us to do there. It gets boring there. There's so many of us and it's a smaller space and it gets so loud there. The twins who are three years old, they get bored and then they get busy and they just get out of control and it's stressful for all of us. So I heard them saying they don't feel like they're going to a space that is for them that they feel like they're going to be visitors somewhere and 
sometimes that can feel uncomfortable. And a lot of times when I think about the spaces that I'm most comfortable in, they're spaces that I know were created for me. And this is even if I'm going to a friend's house. If I go to a friend's house and I see a nice comfy couch to sit on and I see that, you know, they can offer me something to eat, something to drink, I feel welcome there and I feel like this space is for me. That's another issue with grandma and grandpa's house is that we have six children. Two of them have severe food allergies, which requires very strict diets. So when they go somewhere else, there's usually not food for them. So to solve this issue, I got on Instacart real quick and I ordered a three drawer plastic bin cubby. And then I ordered some art supplies so that there were coloring books, paper, crayons, markers. And I ordered some toys for them for the little ones because Bored will equal busy. So for those of you with littles at home and your littles are climbing on the tables and jumping off of couches and being really loud, usually they're bored and they have a need for play and we can best nurture their need for play and our need for a little more peace and organization by giving them an outlet by which they can play. So I ordered a bunch of toys to have sent over to grandma and grandpa's house so that they can have their own little storage and cubby bin there where they have their own things to do. So that every time they have to go to grandma and grandpa's house, they know, ooh, I can't wait to get there because I have those dolls at that house. And ooh, I can't wait to get there. I have that play food at grandma and grandpa's house. And usually when this happens, honestly, your children will end up asking you now because now they have newer toys at grandma and grandpa's house that they don't have at home. And now they're like, when can I go back? Because I really want to play with those toys. And they might say, ooh, I have art supplies at grandma and grandpa's house. I can't wait to go back or it's fun here. So I ordered them things that they can have there so that they have their little space there and they have things to do there so that it's not just I'm bored. Now I got to get busy. And so that the twins are occupied and not just crawling all over the place. And I will say also that I recognize that this is a privilege in parenting, right? This is not a cheap solution. (laughs) The ability to hop on Instacart, buy some supplies, send them over there, that is a great privilege and a great blessing and one that I'm so thankful and grateful that I have the ability to do that. But I recognize that not everybody is able to do this. So this is where sometimes we just kind of got to get through the thick of it and then come up with a plan for next time. So maybe for some people, this looks like finding an old cubby bin in your garage or finding something that you don't need in your house. In my house, I have several of these plastic storage cubbies that we use. If I was not able to order a new one, I would probably go through my house and try to rearrange things and say, where can I fit the things from these three cubbies so I can clear this out and take this to grandma's house? And then I would rearrange things so that I could do that. And maybe at my own house, I would have my children go through and pick out their toys pick out some toys here that we can leave at grandma's house so you have it there. That way I'm not spending any money, but I'm still achieving the same goal. Uh, That way I'm not spending any money, but I'm still achieving the same goal of creating a space for them at grandma's house, creating things for them to do. If I do have a little bit of money in my budget to spend, maybe I'm going to a thrift store and buying toys from a thrift store, or maybe I'm hopping on a group with other moms and doing an exchange. A lot of moms are constantly clearing out toys to get new toys or clearing out clothes to get new clothes. And so you'll find that if you find these mom groups on social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, there's a wealth of different places where there are these mom groups that are local in your community, in your area. 
a lot of them have these regular exchanges where they kind of meet up at a house or at a park or at a public place and everybody brings their old stuff, whether it's toys, clothes, strollers, whatever it is. And they bring it and it's for you to choose from and take home. It's free. And if you have stuff you're looking to get rid of, you bring it and gift another family. And it's one of those like trash to treasure things. You know, one person's trash is someone else's treasure. So there are ways to get what you need, get the extra stuff at little to no cost. Or if you have the means, you can go ahead and invest a little bit of money for a lot more peace. And that's what I decided to do today. And then my husband and I also set up a meeting together. So (laughs) I don't know how many of y'all like meet with your husband, but that's something that me and my husband have to do. Like we have six children and without any of the other things, our family is its own business. And both my husband and I are entrepreneurs. So we both kind of have this business mind and run things like a business. A lot of how I run my family and do things in my home is very similar to how I would run a classroom. But that works for me because the schedules work for me. The visuals work for me. They work for my children. These tools help. And these are a lot of things that I have learned and gained as a teacher. And then I've brought them to my house and I'm like, oh, this actually works. You know, if a child at school is sad that a parent is leaving, we've always made a visual where we can show them, here's a picture of circle time, snack time, recess, lunch, nap time, and here's a picture of mom coming back. And we kind of go through that visual schedule with them so that they can see in the day and lessen their anxiety and see exactly when mom or dad is coming back to get them. So at the start of the day, when they're sad mom or dad is leaving, we'll tell them, come up with a a goodbye handshake. And now let's check in with our schedule throughout the day so you can see when it is, because children have a different concept of time. You know, we can't say they're coming back at three. That doesn't mean anything to them. But if they start understanding the routine and the schedule of this is what I do during my day. And now I know that when lunchtime hits, I'm a little closer to when mom or dad is coming back. When nap time hits, I'm getting real close. When afternoon snack time hits, I know I'm about to see my mom or dad. So those are the type of things that I realized also work at my house. If my children want to watch, the twins are super into the YouTube toy unpacking videos, and I'm a big, we're not doing TV during the day person, so I'll create a visual for them where I say, here's what we're doing during the day, and then here's a little picture of the TV. This is when you get to watch TV. So all of that to say, there's a lot of stuff that we've translated. So me and my husband, as business owners, realizing that For our business, it works when we have a financial planning meeting. For our business, it works when we have a faculty meeting. It works when we schedule for the month. We bring that to our family as well. So we will have financial planning meetings together. We will have, you know, family meetings where we invite the kids to decide what are we going to do on the weekends. So in this situation today, my husband and I decided, let's have a meeting later tonight at eight o'clock where we can talk about what's going on and try to think of a schedule, a solution, something to make this work better for everybody, because right now it's just not working for anyone. So in that, you know, we bought the cubbies, we bought the toys, we created a solution that I'll check in with you next week and tell you how well it did or did not work. Um, But now we can come up with a plan for what do we do next time if the caretaker is not able to come in? How can we incorporate time where we still get our family time? You know, maybe that will look like 
we know on Mondays and Wednesdays, we're all having dinner at grandma and grandpa's house together. Uh, Whatever it is, we can start to figure out a schedule and maybe even a backup plan so that everybody gets a little more reassurance. So in our meeting, you know, these are things that we get to talk about. These are things that we can work together to try to find the best solution. And when I say the best solution, I say that because sometimes life happens and there is only the best solution for that season or for that moment. There may not be a great solution, but the hope is let's find the best solution for this season because it is just a season and it is just a moment. And, you know, just like all things in life, like nothing lasts forever. Things might last a lot longer than we want them to, but nothing is forever. And things can become really overwhelming when there is a feeling of this is going to be forever. This is it. And I think so many of us experience that with the pandemic. It's like we started out thinking, all right, two weeks, stay in your house. (laughs) Then that turned into actually keep your door shut, stay there for the next month. And then that turned into a year. And, you know, eventually all of us got to the point where we were like, when do we get to leave? When do I get to see my friends again? And when we had this kind of end goal, we had hope and we could bear the the challenges of being at home all day and working from home and being with the kids at home. But when it became a, I don't know how long this is going to last, that's when the stress really started to kick in because that was that feeling of, I can't plan for this. If I don't know what's going to happen, I can't plan for this. And, you know, that's honestly what our children feel a lot of times. When they don't have a routine or schedule, they feel like, I can't plan for this. I can't manage this. So that's why you hear a lot of times that routines and schedules are so important for children. But anyways, back to this whole situation. It's like, for me, I recognize and I realize that while I don't know how long it's going to be, there are aspects of it that I can control. There are things that I can do to make it the best situation. But one thing that I know for sure is that it is not forever. And knowing that kind of allows me to say, okay, this is what it is right now. Let me pick and choose. Maybe this is not the season for me to do all the things. Maybe there are some things that I have to let go. Maybe there are some sacrifices that I have to make. Maybe if I wanted bedtime to be at eight, I got to let go of that. Maybe bedtime has to move to 930 now. And as much as I hate for bedtime to move to 930, moving it to 930 gives me a more realistic blueprint of how we can still create a schedule, a routine, a sense of normalcy, and still meet the needs for sleep and family time and playtime and learning time and all of those things. When working with parents, I find that a lot of times the most frustrating aspects of parenting of raising children have to do with when our blueprint and our expectations are not meeting our reality. And I think I may have even said that in last week's episode and talked about how sometimes we see something on Amazon, cute dress, looks so good on that model, I'm going to get it. We buy it. It comes in the mail, looks nothing like the picture on Amazon. And I'm sure y'all have even seen all those memes because there's several of them. And you get mad. You want your money back. You don't want to go through the hassle of having to send it back and all that. It's, you know, it's a hassle and a stress now. Same thing is with parenting. It's like sometimes we get pregnant or we get married and we anticipate being pregnant one day. And we're like, ooh, I'm going to be that mom that makes 
butterfly sandwiches and I'm going to get them to school on time every day and they're going to go to bed at 7.30 and I'm going to go to all the performances. And we have this blueprint of what parenthood looks like. And then we become a parent and we become well acquainted with the messy bun and the regular sandwiches, if not the hot pockets, because that's what's easiest right now. And maybe we can't make all the performances or maybe we make all the performances and then we have a child who does not want to perform. And so there are all these things that we had all these expectations and these blueprints and they are not happening the way that we plan them to. And that can be very stressful. And it usually makes us feel like we're failing, right? I was supposed to be the mom that got them to sleep at 7.30 every day. It's eight o'clock. They're still awake. I'm failing. This is one that I deal with all the time is like, I always wanted a lot of children. And I imagined, you know, I kind of looked like way, way forward. I imagined myself (laughs) like 50 years old with my grown children still coming around and us like having coffee together and playing and laughing and catching up. And and so when I see my preteen and 10 year old and eight year old children and they are like physically fighting each other. Yes, my children fight each other. I have all the tips and tools and they still fight each other and throw each other on the ground. My heart is like, you're failing. And my mind is like, Sharice, you failure. You suck as a mom. Look at your children. They don't love each other. They're fighting each other. And that is what gives all the stress and anxiety. But I remember having a conversation with my children one day, like, and I'm almost on the verge of tears. And I'm like, you guys, I feel like I'm failing when I see you guys fighting. Your siblings, your sisters, you're supposed to love each other. And they looked at me and they were like, mom, sisters fight. And I was like, who told you that? Who told you sisters fight? And they were like, mom, that's what it is. Like, we're okay. This is what sisters do. And while I have siblings, my siblings are a lot older than me. So I did not have the experience of growing up with siblings. So when I became a mom who wanted to have a bunch of children, I did not actually know what having a bunch of children would look like. I don't actually know how you know, children who are a year to a year and a half apart from each other, I've never actually seen what that looks like in a home and how they get along. So here I am with this blueprint that they would all be best friends and play board games together and tell secrets together and giggle with each other. And all of that happens, but they also fight each other and argue and steal each other's clothes. And in my blueprint, they would steal each other's clothes, but that would be cute. It wouldn't end up with somebody on the floor with a black eye. We've never had a black eye, but we've definitely had a lot of bodies on the floor. So for me, you know, especially my children telling me, mom, siblings fight. That's what we do. My children are helping me to change my blueprint and to change my expectations so that I can realize, okay, sibling fighting, that is a normal thing. I'm not failing. This is what it is. Uh, And so same thing, you know, back to today in life situation is my blueprint did not include, nor did my husband's blueprint. blueprint. Uh, Both of our blueprints included one day we would probably have to take care of our parents. Both of us had that in our blueprint, in our expectations. I don't think that either one of us had in our blueprint that it would happen this soon and that the care would be so hands-on. I think that both of us had this idea that one day we would have a house with a cute little back house and grandma and grandpa would be in the back house and we'd go see them when we want and kids would run back and forth between the front house and the back house. I don't think that we saw an illness in our blueprint. So now we have to sit down together and rewrite our blueprint, 
re-talk about our expectations so that it can be realistic, so that we don't constantly on a daily basis feel like we are failing each other, our children, our parents, our family, but really sit down and, and rewrite the blueprint and learn about it. That's one thing that I love about what I do is that I get to educate parents on what child development does look like so that when you see a tantrum, you don't feel like you're failing as a parent. You understand that this is a biological thing that happens in two to three-year-olds that is totally normal and a good sign that they're on track and that their brain is doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So I find that, you know, educating yourself on what your circumstances, it helps to have you to give you realistic expectations and to prepare you with tangible tools that work in the moment. So that's my rant for today. I'm a big person on affirmations. I do affirmations with my children. I do affirmations with the children in my school. And my affirmation for myself today that I will share with you, it comes from Dr. Becky uh, with Good Inside Parenting. She's a friend of mine and I love her and she's a genius. Uh, And the affirmation is, it's hard, but I can do hard things. And that is what I'm telling myself. I can do hard things. Life is hard right now. And that's okay. And I can do hard things. And for you, my friends who are listening, life can be hard. Parenting can be hard. And you can do hard things. So friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for allowing me to vent. I'm so happy to have this community. This is what community does. We share, we listen, we learn, we grow, we love, uh, and I'm here for it. And now I'm going to run because we got some family meetings to do and scheduling to do because we can do hard things. (laughs) So I hope to connect with you guys next week. I'm looking forward to it. Sending love and light to all. Bye, friends. Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production. 